Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Well, if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're not starting in verse 11 as most preachers do. No, we're starting in verse 4. And uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. Anyone ready to have some fun? Great. Some of you are. Awesome. God, I just pray that you would help me. God, in the midst of everything that's going on at the moment, I, I just want to, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words, God, because your words are the words that are things that we can rely on, that we can build our life upon. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this room? We already know that you're speaking. We already can hear it from the moment we started praise and worship right through to this moment that you have been speaking, that you are calling people in this time and in this hour for such a purpose. So God, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue to reiterate that, lock it into our spirit. Let us dream about this, think about this nonstop. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. The title of my message tonight is, You Are the Right Person in the Right Place at the Right Time. Turn to your neighbour, say, you are the right person. Oh, come on, people. It's 5pm. I know it's been a long day. Come on. You are the right person in the right place at the right time. If you are with us online, make sure you tap the pillow that's next to you. If you're by yourself or whatever it is around you, say it to it and say, I am the right person in the right place at the right time. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse four, it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build homes, live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives. Some of you, that's a prophetic word for you right now. Need to look around, squeeze that hand that's next to you. I'm just trying to help some people out, all right? It says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. Have you ever had a moment where you've actually turned to God and said, God, why me? Like seriously, why is this happening to me of all people? I mean, I've been faithful my whole life. I've done everything you've said, and yet I find myself in this situation. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor in, in Bendigo, where I was from, there would be a group of us that we would come together to a, a leader's retreat. And we would come and we'd spend the day together catching up with other youth pastors, hearing some people speak on youth ministry and what we could do to be really well. And Usually we would all get in the car together and head, but for whatever reason, uh, I wasn't with the, the four or five other youth pastors that I would go with. I, I went up, by, uh, came down by myself and, uh, and I was a little bit late because I had to run some errands for my auntie and uh, so I had to do that. I was running a little bit late and I, and I get to where we're about to meet and, uh, and I'm walking into the room and I see some of, the, some of my friends, or who I thought were my friends, uh, in 
the room talking with some people. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll just, so I head over there. And as I get closer and I can start to hear the conversation, I hear my name. And then I start to hear all of the extra things that went along with it, which can I say without going into detail that they weren't very nice. And I remember thinking to myself, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to, and if I can be honest with us tonight, we find ourselves in many different times and seasons where we have asked God, God, why is this happening to me? You see, in the story, we, we, we just hear in this particular verses about the prophetic word, but we need to understand the context of which this prophetic word is given. God's people have been put into exile. There have been it's not like their political party lost the election and now they've got a Muppet in power, right? No, no, they've been conquered by a, by a rival nation. Their, their, their livelihoods are gone. They've lost family members. They've lost ways of life that have maybe been handed down from their grandfather to their father to them. Life as they knew it was gone. And I have no doubt that they've spent a time in the season where they're going, God, why is this happening to me? Aren't we your chosen people? But can I tell you that whatever you're facing right now, that God actually says you are the right person in the right place at the right time right now. I remember seeing this particular person about three weeks later and, um, and, and, and we caught it and he said, oh, Dave, how are you going? And it took everything within me not to close my fist, <laughs> reach back as far as I possibly could. Now, these arms are skinny, but man, they can get some velocity happening. <laughs> Saw his pearly white teeth and everything in me wanted to dislodge a couple of those teeth because I, I was hurt. And oftentimes when we're in a season of hurt, we make decisions that make us feel better instead of living by a conviction of who we're called to be. And I wonder how many times in this season we've made decisions based upon the hurt that we've felt, the, un, the, the expectations that haven't been met, the, the prophetic words that have come, but we can't see the fruit of them. And we've made a decision and yet God says, hang on a minute, I've actually positioned you in the right place at the right time for this is what I've got you called for. I remember my mum would often say to me as I'd be complaining to her about all of this that would be going on, she said, hey Dave, guess what? God's still on the throne. Jesus still loves you. Now get on with it. Like God's on the throne. Jesus loves you. And David, stop sucking in the corner and just get on with it. And I feel like sometimes, especially in this season, where I have been sitting in front of my TV hearing another press conference and going, oh, woe is me. This really isn't fun at all. It's not what I planned. It's not what I thought. I want to kick the TV. I want to do whatever it maybe is. But yet, so many times we miss the very thing that God actually has called us to because we're so concerned about our own feelings. We're so concerned about our own circumstances. See, as long as you're breathing, God still has an assignment for you. As long as you are breathing, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have an assignment from God. And let me tell you, that assignment is specific and tailor-made to who you are. You might not feel like you're qualified, you're good enough, but let me tell you, the fact that you say yes to Jesus, that you walk in obedience, qualifies you for the very thing that God has for you. 
It's time for us to actually realise that it is in the midst of everything that's going on, yet the prophetic word said this, build houses. Now you need to understand in the context, their homes, their livelihoods were gone. What's God saying? God's saying, it's time to get on with it. You may not have anything right now, but let me tell you, sitting around and doing nothing isn't gonna help you or anybody else. It's time to put on your tool belt. It's time to get the plans out. It's time to start building what God has asked you to build in front of you right now. And this is what I feel burning in my heart that it is time to stop getting concerned and complaining about all of the things that are going on around about us. And it's time to look to Jesus, look to the author who we're trying to be like and actually build our life based upon His plan. I remember... um, I, I hated gardening. Anyone else not like gardening at all? Like just totally despise it. I think I've got a picture coming up here of, I had a house in Bendigo and, um, and the reality was I hated it so much that, um, that actually um, on the right hand side here, this, this wooden rail is actually about eight feet high off the ground. And, um, and there were trees, it was like a native Australian thing that I just basically didn't touch for like 12 months. Just didn't, just let it go. Like, cause I'm like, I nearly broke into Elsa right then. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a five-year-old daughter, it's like, let it go. Anyway, and, and, and so, so I've just like let this thing go and, and it got to the point where Louise said to me, hey Dave, you need to do something about what's going on out the back there because we had actually heard someone had spotted a snake crawl up the fence, down back into the backyard, and we've got two kids. Stacy would love that from what I hear. And, um, and so, so I figure, all right, so the best, this is how good my gardening skills is. I ordered a bobcat and a chainsaw, and we got it done in two days. So that's what it looked like after two days of solid work with a bobcat and, um, and a chainsaw, and we got it cleared out. Six months later, I didn't have really any plans of what we were going to do. What do you think started to happen again? Just started to grow back. You ever found how weeds, no matter how much you poison them, and believe me, I've given it a fair crack in my time. (laughs) They just seem to keep coming back. As I was thinking about this, I realised that there were times in my life where I was dealing with character issues. I was dealing with stuff in my heart. And if I'm honest, there are times where, where we wanna deal with it and there are other times you're like, oh, it's all right, I can cover it up. I've grown up in the church. I know how to act in church and, and be okay in this particular environment but be totally different in this other environment. And all of a sudden, without realising, stuff just starts to pile up. And let me tell you, as, as, as God starts to deal with things, and, and one of these seasons happened where I said, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this, I'm gonna deal with it, it's gonna be done. So I fasted for five days, straight water, no food. It nearly killed me, literally. But, um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I've dealt with it, it's all good. But all of a sudden, six months later on, I'm still wrestling with the same thing. And God spoke to me, he said, David, you know what, you've dealt with that particular issue, but because you haven't got a plan about what you're gonna build, stuff just keeps coming back. And some of the reason why we keep struggling with the things in our life is because we haven't got a clear vision of the plan God has for us. We haven't got a clear idea of, okay, God, I'm gonna deal with all of this so I can build, I can be part of your great narrative, of your great story, and allow you to build something in my life that will will be built for generations to come. 
but we clear it and we just leave it. And we clear it and just leave it. And wonder why we go through year after year after year dealing with the same stuff over and over again. Why? Because, because you have breath, God has an assignment for you. You know what I've worked out? Is that it was really hard to have lustful thoughts in the presence of God. I, I, maybe some of you, maybe you're not entering in as, as much or whatever, I, I don't know, but I, I can just think about the, the stuff that I would deal with when I was fully sold out to God, when I was about His plan, I didn't think about some of the stuff that I was thinking about late at night, at midnight, not ready to go to bed. Why? Because when we're, when we're building with a plan and a vision of what God has on our life, we're like, like Nehemiah, where the, where the people around him said, come, come, down, come down to the valley of Ono and just hang out here for a little bit. And, God, and Nehemiah goes, no, 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 I've got a task that's ahead of me. I've got a purpose. I can't waste my time down there. It's interesting. Your call is only as strong as what it takes to distract you. I remember sitting in my, in my lounge room at home, really depressed with my life, which actually is pretty good. But I was having one of those moments where I'm like, woe is me. And I realised something in that moment as the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. He said, David, you've gotten totally off track to what I called you to do because you just keep getting distracted. I, I, I don't know if you're kind of like me, but if you're doing an assignment or preparing a message or something like that and you have your phones kind of sitting next to you and it, oh, just better check what's going on. It's like sometimes you actually just need to put the distraction away in order to focus on what actually God has for you. I love the way that A.W. Tozer puts it. He says this, he says, distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. We actually need to get to a place where we're so fixated upon the vision of what God has for us and what He's prepared for us that that captivates everything in us. Like, I, I realised partway through this that, that, that God actually said, hey, Dave, do you realise we've got a city that needs me? And here you are in Heathmont Road, sitting at your kitchen table, concerned about what your life is going to look like. Like, is there not a cause? Is there not something to get up in the morning and fight for? Is there not people who have no idea about the things that are going on in their world and they're heading a particular direction that leads to death and disaster, yet you sit there with the very life and healing for what they are going through in your lap and you're going, oh, I just don't feel like it today. Because we get distracted by the different things that are around about us. We get distracted by news conferences, by our Twitter feed, by whatever it may be that's going on and yet we get loose focus from exactly the thing that God's called us to do. Why? Because it's time to build again. It's time to go, you know what, I'm gonna build and I'm gonna plant and I'm gonna build and I'm gonna plant and I'm gonna keep doing that until God says do something different. You know, I had to in that moment really seek God about repentance, just repenting from being so easily distracted. And I remember in that moment that God all of a sudden started to meet me there and I realised that, 
you know, we are often one repentance away from stepping into the very thing God created for us. See, when we partner with, with God, we will be successful. When we partner with God and what He is doing, we will be successful. In verse six, it says this, multiply there and do not decrease. Do not shrink back. Do not just fall into yourself and do nothing. No, it's time to multiply and advance. And actually, this word multiply first comes up in Genesis chapter one, and it's not just about having babies and multiplying the population. No, God actually had a bigger plan than just you and I having babies and all of that fun stuff, right? He actually has a plan for this world, this very world that he created to look like heaven. That's what his plan is. And the Bible says that he said to Adam, he said, go forth, multiply, uh, subdue the land, reign over it. In other words, take ownership of what I am giving you. Genesis chapter two, God reiterates it again and says, Adam, I'm giving you this as a responsibility. Work it, do something with it. Because God actually wants to partner with you and I. At the end of the day, he's the only one that can save our world but he actually chooses to use you and me to make the connection between the world that we live in and his kingdom. I love what Pastor Corey said last week in his message about his keys. We, we often hold the keys to the kingdom in our pocket and sometimes don't make the connection that actually we can engage with other people and actually give them the keys to the kingdom of God and God to meet them right where they're at. How many times do we spend in this season where we've maybe talked to people and, and we've had that moment where we could just share something, but fear has got a hold of us? Yeah. And we've shrunk back. God says, no, I, I haven't called you to shrink back. I've called you to multiply and to continue to endure and continue to press forward. That's what I've called you to be. That's who you are. Yeah. Not only that, in Matthew 28, verses 18, we know is the Great Commission Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, so go therefore. You've got an assignment. As long as you're breathing, you've got a task in front of you. As long as you've got breath, there is purpose to your life. And I don't know if you're here and you're like, you know what? Maybe you're like what Pastor Cherie was saying. You've had prophetic words and you can't see the fruit of it right now. Let me tell you, the fact that you are sucking oxygen means that you have a purpose for your life. That God has a purpose for who you are. Verse six goes on to say that do not decrease. I love this because oftentimes the difference between stepping into our call or not is whether or not we choose to give up. Like sometimes there is times to stand because having done all to stand, we just stand because that's all I can do. In, in a season of recent times, I felt like it's very difficult to propel forward in the midst. So I've just gone, you know what? I'm just not gonna move. The Word of God is my foundation. He has a call on my life and I'm refusing to move off that because that's what I'm called to do. But some of you, God's actually opening doors and He's waiting for you to actually step through them because He's wanting to partner with you. He's designed you, He knows you, He knows you intimately and He's just waiting. Would you just take a step? Would you just take that little step of faith? God's already made the way. He's already prepared it for you. He's already opened up the door. Not only that, he's, all of heaven is behind you. I, I honestly think if we would get a glimpse of actually how heaven sees you, we would walk differently. We would posture ourselves differently. 
we would talk differently. You know, there's, um, there's this desert in, in America that it's a, a big wilderness area and very well known for basically having zero life to it. It's like this wasteland. And um, about, I think it was about 20 years ago, there was this once in a hundred year rainfall that, that um, came down and flooded this whole area where there was literally no life whatsoever. And, and this water came down and flood came down. Anyway, uh, within about six weeks, all the water had dissipated and then after a little bit longer, all of a sudden someone was there and they started to see all of these signs of life. These plants started to pop out of the surface in the first time in a hundred years they'd ever seen life in this desert area. The reality is we're one encounter away from stepping to exactly what God's called us because there were seeds in the ground that all they needed was some water to come alive. And you know what water is for us? It's that moment where we get in God's presence and He swaters the words that have been spoken over our life. And all of a sudden, something starts to change. Something starts to shift. Something starts to move. Something starts to germinate. And we start to see things differently. There's hope. Can I tell you, you're one encounter away from seeing exactly what God has called you for, what He's invested into your heart, what He birthed in you, the Bible says, even before, even in your mother's womb. You are one encounter away. So if we're called to advance and we're called to multiply, the question is how? Prayer is one of your greatest weapons, not a passing ritual. So many times in our world, we use prayer as a great transition. Have that awkward moment with somebody. Let me just pray for you. Um, Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us, you're for us. Bless this food, amen. Or maybe it's in a service, you know, transitioning between praise and worship or whatever it may be. And, I, and I'm all for that. But prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is the weapon that God has given each and every one of us if we're willing to use it. I can't tell you how many times in this season I have been in my car Praying and praying and praying. And sometimes I feel amazing. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm the only one there. But you know what? What I've come to realise is all of a sudden, I didn't even realise, but something's starting to shift before I can actually see what's happening. Prayer is your greatest weapon if you're willing to use it. In verse seven, it says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. God's people have been conquered, they've been tortured, they've been moved into exile under a foreign king, and God's word is, I need you to pray for them. I don't know about you, but my prayers probably wouldn't be ones that would be written in the Bible. My prayers would probably be something like, God, get him, just like, just get him, like, get a ninja in during the night off his head, like whatever, like just get him. And you know, sometimes you need to have a God get him moment to get that out of your system for all of a sudden your heart to start to change and and shift. Why? Because it's for the welfare of the city. We we moved into our new house uh, on on Friday and... um, 
on the second story, we've got this amazing view that looks back in towards Melbourne. And I was up there trying to get the blinking TV on the wall mount and it just wasn't happening. And I was getting frustrated. Anyway, I stood up and I had a look and I was kind of captivated by what I saw. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me about his heart for the city. And I'm sitting there with my TV like, <clears throat> all of a sudden, my heart breaking for the people in the city. Because so many times we're so focused on the immediate in front of us that we don't see the big picture. And all of a sudden, as I started to look and God, what's your heart for these people? And God, what's your heart for this city? And all of a sudden, something started to shift. And you know what? I've actually found that prayer does more in me than necessarily it does through me. Because sometimes we often treat God like, a, like a, um, the, the fairy godmother. Come and, come and bring your magic wand and tap on this situation and just change it so that it can be everything that I want it to be. Just, just wave your magic dust and it'll be all good. But you know what actually what I've found in my life? Oftentimes prayer is actually a process that I need to go on and God to chip away the stuff that's, that, to be quite honest, is painful, it's uncomfortable, it's not fun, but yet as I go through the process, I become more like him. See, sometimes we want prayer to be our immediate fix-it thing where God is actually wanting your prayers to develop your character and who you are. And I honestly believe as we start to recognise the power that is in prayer, that something starts to shift. First Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says this, Always be joyful. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Can you imagine for a moment if the writer had actually said this to some of the people at that time? Rejoice always. I know you've just lost loved ones and you've lost this and you've lost that. But rejoice always. Pray without ceasing because God is doing something. And can I tell you, in, in seasons where I haven't known what to do, all I have known what to do is go, okay, God, I can't control anything around me, but I'm just gonna praise you. I'm gonna rely on your character in this situation rather than what I can see in front of me. If you said you're good, all right, I'll believe you're good, regardless of the circumstances that makes me feel like you're not. I believe you're my healer in the midst of this circumstance happening right now. I believe you're faithful to your word regardless of the fact I see no way out. Can I tell you, we need to get to a place where we actually just believe God for exactly what he said, for who he said he is, but trust in his character. A.W. Tozer said this, the key to praying is simply praying. Sometimes we just overcomplicate it. Like, Sometimes you need that quick little prayer, God help. And sometimes you need to spend an hour in your bedroom praying, seeking the heart of God. Sometimes it's an all night thing. Other times it's in the moment as you're dropping off your kid at school or as you're going to step out into something new and you're not sure how it's gonna work. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because prayer is your greatest weapon, not a passive ritual. Verse seven says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. On whose behalf? On the city. So I want, I want to ask a question. In this season, how much have you prayed for the city? Not, not prayed so that you would benefit from a decision in the city. No, prayed for the city. Because your prayer actually reveals part of what your agenda is. 
See, if all your prayers are about you and your comfort and your circumstance and your blessing and what you need, then actually you have shrunk God to who you need Him to be. But when you actually get a bigger picture of who God is and get a revelation that He's so much bigger than you, all of a sudden things start to change and shift. I wonder how many of us have actually prayed to God for our city, not for necessarily what it'll benefit us. I love how Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you, Timothy, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and for all those in authority so that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by the goodness, sorry, godliness and dignity. You need to understand is that they're under Roman rule. And Paul is urging his spiritual son to pray for those in authority. Pray for those that, that they would make decisions that would be for the benefit of their citizens and for people around them. Yet so many times our prayers are based upon what we need. I need a husband, God. Would you please just send me a husband? Like even if he's got half a leg, that'll do. I'm fine with that. God, would you send me this like, new house? Or Look, I don't care if it's got rats in it or whatever it may be. And so much we've made God about our very needs and what we want and who we are. If I say anything really inappropriate, <laughs> just remember my mum passed away lately. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm playing. playing. Prayer also reminds us of one very important thing, that it's not all about me. It's not all about me. I've had to tell myself this time and time and time again. And, and can I just say this, like, you are incredibly important. You are really significant. You are incredibly gifted. But it's not all about you. you, you, you we need you. We need you to be part of what God is doing. God needs you and wants you on his team, but it's not all about you. It's all about the person that died on the cross. It's all about Jesus. It has always been, and look, let me just say, if you want it to be about you, it's probably never gonna be about you. It's always gonna be about him because he's the only one who can save. You can't. I can't. It's all about him. And in the midst of everything that's going on, we need to drop the saviour complex. We need to drop the, I am big enough to make this decision and it's going to change the whole world. You need to relinquish control of everything in your life you've been trying to hold on to for so long. I, if I make this decision, this will happen. If I make this decision, this will happen. Whatever it may be, if, if I do all that, no, you just need to relinquish control, recognise that he is God. He has a plan for your life. If we would get on his page, he will look after everything you need. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but the reality is nothing in life is easy. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We are all going to have circumstances and seasons in our life that are uncomfortable to go through. But you know what I've found is every season that I've gone through that's uncomfortable, I've never once felt alone. I've always known that God's with me, that Jesus is for me, that He loves me, that He has a plan for me. 
as the team comes back up and starts to close, it's so important that we recognise that in this season and this moment and this time, God has a plan for us. I love it at the end of verse seven, it says, seek the welfare of the city. That word welfare is the word shalom, which means peace, prosperity, success, a state of health, deliverance and salvation. I wonder in this time, this moment that we're living in right now, if these words could actually be applicable to now. I wonder in this moment of time and history, whether or not God is actually saying to His church, I need you to seek the welfare of the city. I need you to realise I have an assignment for you. I've got a call for you and it's time to get on board with that because the city needs you, needs the kingdom that's in you. It needs the Jesus that is your Saviour. And I wonder if in this moment, in this time, in the midst of whatever you're facing right now, I don't know if you've lost a whole lot of stuff or really you've come through this period really quite well. I Yet I know it is time to build. It is time to plan. It is time to seek the welfare of the city. I have never been so convinced of something that it is time for you and I, God's church, to step into our worlds and bring the Kingdom of God, to bring the grace and mercy of a loving Saviour who died for each and every one of them, to actually lay our hands on the sick and see them recovered. For us to be generous in what we're doing. As we come out of this season of COVID and lockdown and everything like that, here's the question that I want to leave us with, is what are you building in 2022? What are the no small plans in 2022? Are you just kind of waiting for things to happen and you're just going to wait for the right bus to come past and you'll get on that bus? Just wait for the circumstances to really appear right before stepping into exactly what God's called for you. Or you actually go, you know what, God, I I can see what you're doing. I'm gonna build, I'm gonna plan, and I'm just gonna do where I'm at. And whatever you wanna do, wherever you need me to go, whatever you need me to do, I'll be obedient. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's time you started a life group. 2022 is the year that you start a life group. Because discipleship is not an option for you and I. Maybe it's the year that you finally say, you know what, I'm gonna commit to giving the tithe. Maybe it's the year that that you actually step into the thing that you've been dreaming about, but you thought, you know what, I can't leave that successful job and that successful thing, because maybe it's the year you actually went to Newman College. That one's for Dr. Mike, hope you're watching. I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is for me. I'm not gonna make any small plans for next year. I've had enough of of the enemy trying to pull back, trying to distract, 
trying to take away, trying to criticise. We've got a job to do. It's time to get on with it. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.